All right, open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. And it looks like we'll spend the next uh, few weeks in this psalm. Tonight and two more. Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Do I love you because you're beautiful? Or are you beautiful? Because I love you. Anybody know what that's from? Who said that? Good. You knew too, didn't you, Renee? Uh-huh. Cinderella. It's Disney Cinderella. It's like kind of this cheesy video, I think, that I had seen years ago. But that line always stuck out to me. In fact, I think it goes uh, something like, Are you the sweet reflection of a golden dream? Something like that. Or are you really as beautiful as you seem? But the, that line, I, I just love that. Are you beautiful? Uh, do, I, do I love you because you're beautiful? Or are you beautiful because I love you? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost uh, Augustinian. Uh, you know, do you fill the universe? Because, do you fill the heavens because you fill the universe and so you thus fill the heavens? Or do you fill the, 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 the heavens and you overflow and thus fill the universe? I mean, it, it, he says, do I, you know, do I love you because you're beautiful? Or are you beautiful because I love you? And you see, he's thinking, uh, let's see, he sees value and beauty in this person. You know, it's, it's Gary. He's looking at Cindy and, and he says, You know, I see value in this person. He sees this innate beauty in her, which causes his love to swell. And his love swells, and what happens? She appears even more beautiful, and so his love swells again. You know, and and as his love swells, he uncovers more value in his love. I mean, it's just this perpetual, uh, torrid uh, uh, thing that happens, this this communion. Well, in Psalm 84, I, I, I... I've got eight or nine commentaries, and I and I was looking through them, and, and one commentary entitles his chapter, 
uh, on Psalm 84, Lord, I'm coming home. Another guy entitles his little section uh, on it, A Long Way From Home. And still another guy gives it a very unusual title. In his, in his chapter, he calls it the, the, uh, the Psalm of the Janitors. And, uh, and you go, hmm, okay, but he has a reason for doing that. And if you sit down and you were to study this, you would find out why these guys are naming their titles because they all have a theological slant, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about, more about next week. But the one guy that calls it the Psalm of the Janitors quotes First uh, Chronicles uh, he says, uh, Shalom, son of Kori, uh, the son of Ibiasaph, uh, uh, the son of Korah, and his fellow gatekeeper from the family, uh, the, the Korahites, were responsible for guarding the threshold of the tent, just as their fathers had been. And he, he describes the people that guarded the tent of uh, the, the tabernacle or the tent or the, or the temple as capable people that God had assigned and so on. And the reason I say all that is, um, his point is that Psalm 84 is not a psalm about pilgrimage. And the other guys are going, oh, yeah, it is a psalm about pilgrimage. Okay, so when you, if you study these guys, they kind of split and there's kind of this hubbub. I say all that because I'm about to make a point, but I wanted to add one more thing. Uh, if, if Joe, the Sunday school teacher, is uh, given an opportunity to teach, he's, he'll probably pick something from, from the life of David or a psalm because he's thinking, yeah, I bet I can kind of dig into that and get sinking my teeth into that. And, and one of the dangers in handling wisdom literature is that you, you have a tendency, you know, you read all these commentaries and you're like, what are these guys talking about? They're all, you know, in these different directions. They have titles for their chapters. And, and you think, what can I do with this text that'll be exciting? And it's very easy to take something like verse 3 and say, even the sparrow has found a home. Ooh, the sparrow must be Jesus. And uh, the swallow, and that's for, I'm the swallow. And... Uh, I, my children are the young, and so I must train up a child the way he should go. And that's the point of my message. And what, what I'm, please don't take any of that down, but um, my, my point is, what, when you get into all this, you have all these divergent opinions and, and people who know Hebrew, and, and uh, I don't know why I'm speaking with a Jewish accent when I say that, but... Uh, <laughs> but uh, and, and it's easy to... It, it's dangerous because you, you don't want to be, be subjective and... and Force your thoughts on the Bible and make it say something it doesn't, doesn't say. I say all that to make this point. Let us not get caught in the hubbub and miss the big point. What is the big point? Look at verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Now, just calm your heart for a second. Try not to fidget or cough. Just... Just drink this into your soul for a second. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. That's a profound thought. The centerpiece of this song is the sanctuary of the living God. Now, the idea of verse 1 is not that heaven is a really pretty place. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. You, you know, one could very easily build a sermonic house of cards upon streets of gold and turn that into heaven and say, well, you know, uh, one day we're all going to be at the Crystal Sea and uh, praise the Lord. And, and that's what that means. It's talking about heaven. That, that, you can't do that. The reason, and I'll tell you this, this is an aside. Um, I have a problem with a very uh, popular evangelical question. And here's the question. Would you like to pray to receive... Uh, the gift of eternal life. You heard that question? Now, I have a problem with it. Number one, if you think about it for five seconds, it's full of theological bullet holes. Would you like to pray 
to receive the gift of eternal life. Okay, but forget about that. My big offense is we tend to take heaven and we tend to take it and hold it up to people and say, oh, listen, heaven's nice. It's pretty. Streets of gold and, and it's like San Diego. I mean, it's the perfect temperature. It's better than hell. And, and it's, you know, it's not mu- you know, hot and muggy and everything. And, and, uh, and, and wouldn't you like to go? Well, yeah, sign me up. That sounds good. When, when in reality... A person prays to receive someone hmm, who has done something on behalf of the, the person who is praying. It's not, would you like to receive a gift of heaven? It's Christ. It's Christ. And that's the point of verse 1. The dwelling place of the Lord Almighty is beautiful, consummately sublime because of the authentic abiding God Himself. That's what makes his dwelling place so beautiful. You know, the tabernacle or the temple or places where God revealed himself to his people and he would descend and dwell with, his presence would be amongst them mysteriously. The abode of the Lord is beautiful because he is there. Um, a few years ago, I was in, in Europe. In fact, Jeanette, I'm looking at you and I don't know who else was there with us, but um, you know, we were in uh, Ukraine and then we stopped in uh, uh, Austria on the way back and you see these unbelievable cathedrals that are just gold-encrusted. It's just unbelievable the, the, the way these things are constructed. Tammy, when, when Tammy and I were in New York last year, we went into the... What's the big cathedral in Manhattan? St. Patrick's. The thing's magnificent. It's beautiful. And when we were in New York, Tammy got choked up. She teared up in this cathedral. And she teared up for the same reason I teared up in Europe. And it wasn't the overwhelming beauty, though the beauty was overwhelming. I mean, you look around at the craftsmanship and you just, I mean, it's just overwhelming. It's breathtaking. But that's not why we were choked up. You know why we were choked up? Because you have this grand structure and yet the presence of the Lord is not to be had. That's what was so overwhelming. That's what, that's what Tammy voiced. She said, all this, and the Spirit of the Lord is not here. The, the, the Gospel is not presented. It's this rote, uh, this rote procedure people go through, this grand empty shell, which leads us very sensibly back to our passage. Uh, look at verse 2. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Not just some nice location, but the person of the living God. You know, this, this term, my, my heart and flesh uh, cry out. Now, we're not going to do a 10-week study on uh, the heart and the flesh and the will and the mind and the ego and the blah, blah, blah. We're not going to do that. But I, will like, I would like to say, uh, the, the, when, when the Bible talks here about the soul, and the heart and the flesh. I mean, it's, it's making a statement about the whole man. You know, the very center of the, the, the being, everything about a person is aching and longing for the, the living God, this, this uh, hymn writer. And it's also encouraging to me to see that those words, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Isn't that an encouraging statement to you? I mean, I don't know if you, you have the same problem with, that I have, trying to get my flesh to, like, cooperate. But it's nice when your flesh is actually cooperating, uh, isn't it? Uh, you know, as the heart so longs, the, the body follows. 
Um, one one uh, writer said that, uh, he, he said, uh, my soul vehemently desires. My soul vehemently desires the person of God. And, and yes, my soul vehemently desires, but not to be mistaken, uh, the psalmist writes, even faints. My soul vehemently desires, even faints for the person of God. Which is the equivalent of, of pining and hungering and languishing, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, extreme uh, mental emotion, the longing even extended to the body. You know, it shows up in, in a person's manners and in, 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 uh, in their eyes and in, the, in their hands, uh, their bodies. Uh, a person that is so on, on the verge of fainting. You ever had anybody faint in your arms? I have. Her. her. <laughs> Tammy. Uh, when the day we met, no, but uh, <laughs> but she wasn't feeling well. I remember she just, oh. you know, that's what this that's what this psalmist is trying to portray. That that I, I'm I'm so enthralled, I'm so lovesick that I I, I I'm, I'm nearly fainting. Uh, one one translator put it this way, which I love. He said, "My heart," of verse two. He says, "My heart and my flesh leap for joy toward the living God." Uh, we've got a little dog named Mary, and uh, yeah. and it's a Lassapoo, not a very manly breed. Uh, I call it a Lassapoo, uh, just kind of for jokes. But uh, um, this little dog, um, when I do my very poor Jimmy Stewart impersonation, I'll sit down on the floor, cross-legged, and I'll go, Mary, Mary, don't you know me? You know, it's, that's not a very good impression. But when she hears it, th- she comes barreling toward me. And when she's about six feet away, she's like, bing, like the dog on the Grinch, just, Doo, you know, she just leaps for joy toward me. And I have to, you know, flex my stomach and, uh, you know, gird up my loins, not in the way you would normally hear in the scriptures. But, uh, but I, you know, I'm like, oh, here she comes. Oh, you know, it's like a cannonball. But I, that, that's what the psalmist is saying. Leaping for joy toward the Lord. You know, I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, um, that the state of your heart shows up in your manner and in your face and in your voices. You know, I wish... I don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything, but y'all, y'all are the Wednesday night people. You're probably doing pretty well. Uh, but I, I, huh, I wish you could have the vantage point that the musicians have on a Sunday morning because you're looking at everybody this way. You know, you see all the faces all at the same time. And I'm telling you, and on every Sunday, 4% of the room is standing there like this. Just as pickled and sour, and you just think, are you okay? Why, why did you even come? I mean, on the other hand, there are people that I'll look out at, and, and in fact, you know who you are. Some of you know who you are because I, I, uh, I look at you and our faces connect. And sometimes we'll be singing a song and the words are, I know about your life and you know about my life and there's something about the words that particularly applies and I'll look over at an individual and we'll catch each other's eye and it's kind of like we're worshiping together, you know? But you can almost look out at a room full of people and see a warm heart. You can almost look out at a room full of people and see a heart that's stiff and unbending. You can almost see that the people who are, are pining and longing and nearly fainting for the presence of God in a worship service. Now, you, you, you think to... Um, Think about, I hate to keep picking on you, Gary, but uh, you think about uh, the, the times in your life where you've heard some guy say, oh, I'm just not ready to get married. I'm just not ready. Or a lady, too. I mean, women do that, too. I'm just, I'm not ready to get married right now. Well, what's the translation? I'm not ready to marry. 
you, you know, because when a person's heart, when a person's heart is engaged, the romantic behavior comes right along when a person's heart is engaged. And this person in the psalm, in the, whoever has penned this psalm is dying of love. He's, it's as though he's love sick. And there's a reason for that. Look at verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for her young, herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Now, notice in the psalmist's mind's eye, he has a concentrated focus on what? The altar. Very easy thing to read and miss and go, yeah, that's lovely and, and all that. But now look at the last, almost at the end of verse 3. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Why is the issue of the altar such an important thing? Because it is the place where sin is dealt with. It's the place where God's perfect wrath is placated and the sinner is so received. The altar. Let me ask you a question. Is bleach safe to a germ? No. Is uh, purity safe to filthiness? No. Is holiness safe to corruption? No, not safe. Neither is God safe to a sinner. Not safe. And yet, the poet speaks of the most delicate creatures. You know, a sparrow and a swallow. You know, when you think about it, if, if he had written, instead of how lovely is your dwelling place, if he had written how terrible is your dwelling place, there would be some congruity there, wouldn't there? I mean, for someone who is filthy and a sinner and polluted and tainted to be in the presence of something that's not safe, it's not lovely, it's terrible. And yet the psalmist is able to speak in such tender terms as, as a sparrow. Even the sparrow has found a home. What a, what a picture of tenderness. Uh, the second part of it, the swallow, a nest for herself where may, she may have her young. Is that, does that sound like it? I mean... There's a nesting place and then there's a, another bird that's having her babies there. I mean, it's a, a tender, uh, safe refuge. We've got a purple martin house in our backyard and every year they come back and it's a double-decker. And uh, the, the purple martins take the top deck and the sparrows take the bottom deck. And they're communal too. So we'll have a couple purple martin families in there and the, you'll hear two families of birds, you know, babies cheeping wanting their mothers and the, their parents are working hard. I mean, it's just amazing to watch. But it's almost... I mean, as a, as a homeowner, you, stand, you have nothing to do with it. Uh, but you stand out there and you're just kind of on your property, you know, on your land. And you're looking at it and, and you just, you feel kind of honored, you know, that these birds come back every year and, and, and they're having their young right there. I mean, they, they, they feel safe right by us and it's kind of honoring. You know, the, 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 the newest Lowe's hardware store on Germantown Parkway, uh, if you've been in the hardware, if you've been in the garden section inside, not the outside stuff of the plant, but inside. Next time you go in there, look up. There's birds' nests up there in the garden section. And, uh, you know, you look up and you think, if any place has weapons of destruction, a hardware store does. They have poisons and, you know, jet sidewalk blasters and they have all kinds of things that can get those birds out of there. But for some reason, the bird has found a nesting place and has found a favorable situation to, have, to lay eggs and raise little babies. Look at the end of verse 3. 
place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. You know, the, the world will look up and see the stars in the sky and the heavens and have a concept of God. And they think, uh, God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. And listen, in one sense, He is watching us from a distance. You know, He's, he's grand and He's infinite and He's, uh, you know, unsurpassed. And that's true. And in that sense, he, he is watching us from a distance. But ladies and gentlemen, He didn't make this earth and throw it down there like some little marble and, and forget about it and kind of has this distant interest. He reigns dynamically over what He has made. He has a personal interest in the world around us. You know, I heard on NPR on the radio a scientist that uh, he's like a forensic CSI type dude. And um, he was saying that uh, over the course of the 30 years that he's been in this field, he can identify 30,000 different microscopic slides. And they would have a game. Every day somebody would come in and there would be a slide under the thing and he'd go, ah, you know, ostrich feathers. You know, looking at the little micro, little thingamajiggies. You know, the next day he'd walk in, cow's blood. You know, bacon. You know, it just every day was a different thing. He can identify 30,000. And the thing he said was, people, get to, uh, people don't get to see the world that I get to see. And I thought, man, what a... How, can you imagine living life, seeing all those things microscopically? It's worshipful. What about the dudes that work the Hubble? You know, they have the thing that, that makes... It looks at the expanse of the universe. They see, see things far out. Is that not amazing? The closer we look, the more amazing God gets. The farther out we look, the more amazing God gets. You, you know, you think about blood flowing through us and you watch your spouse breathe and her lungs fill up with air and, and go down. It's just, it's amazing. You, we just, we live in an amazing world that God has made, but He hasn't flung it out there. And as believers, we're able to say, your lovely places dwell, your dwelling place is lovely, Lord, because I know you. You are my king and my God, and I have a place before your altar that is safe. And it's expanded in verse 4, the scope of it. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. It's more than just little old me. God's plan of salvation wasn't just to save wonderful Jim. It was awful Jim, and he rescued him anyway. And I'm not the Lone Ranger. He scooped up a, a bunch of people. And here we are in the middle of the week on a Wednesday night in the rain. I mean, what, what are we doing here? Why do we gather? Why are we compelled to do it? You know, it's not, it's not the Moose Lodge. Uh, you know, they're compelled to gather, and hunters like to gather, and bowlers like to gather, and golfers like to gather. Everybody likes to gather. But the, way, the reason we gather is different. I mean, who, who wants to put their whole life under the authority of another? Who wants to come here and, and walk out convicted and hope that, hope that something razor sharp has touched their spirit? Who, who wants that? God has collected up a people. And one of the sweet evidences of the reality of that is that we, we come together and we feel this responsibility for one another. It's part of God's plan of salvation. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the message of the Bible 
It's not tolerate others. The message of the Bible is salvation comes from the Lord. It does. Salvation comes from the Lord. That's right out of Scriptures. Here's something else right out of Scriptures. Not by anything we have done. Here's something else right out of Scripture. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. Huh? Not of yourselves. Can't work at it so that no person can come to God one day and say, take a look at my life. I mean, you've got to respect that. You've got to respect such and... That's not so bad. That's the gospel message, ladies and gentlemen. Who could, who could live a righteous life? Not us. Only who could live a righteous life? The righteous one, God. And so the righteous one comes, lives that righteous life, and is then able and capable of laying down his life in the stead of another. And he does it obediently and lovingly and subserviently to the Father. And he does it with names of individuals on his mind. That's the gospel message. Receive the Lord of glory. Not a place called heaven. That's great. Receive the Lord of glory. And then when you're in heaven, you'll be in the presence of the Lord of glory. And it will be a beautiful presence. A couple more things and I'm done. Ladies, I hate to tell you this, but I really, I don't really like the way you've decorated your houses. And um, I'm not crazy about the clothes you wear either. Um, to be perfectly honest. You know why? I like the way Tammy's decorated the house. And I like the stuff she wears. I mean, that's all fine. Y'all, you look terrific. Don't worry. You look fabulous. But I like her stuff. And if you happen to buy something that kind of looks like her stuff, I think you look pretty good. My point is, in a very real sense, you know, home is where Tammy is. And my taste has been shaped... To her taste, even in furniture and things, we'll be out somewhere and I kind of I like something and, and I know that I like it because I've adapted to her. You know, I never really paid attention to these things before and now I have and my taste has melded to her taste. And I find her dwelling place to be lovely because it points me back to who she is. I'll tell you kind of a cool story. We were at uh, Marshall's kind of milling around and uh, we, we have a screened-in porch and she wanted a little lamp for the screened-in porch. And uh, so she's over by the clothes, and, uh, and I'm looking through all the cheap, you know, marked down to $4 stuff they have, you know, in the kind of a messed up row. And uh, I found a broken lamp. I thought, hey, this is good. And, uh, and I took this other broken lamp, and I put them together and made like a, a workable lamp. And I thought, she's going to like this. So I walked over to the clothing section, you know, and I said, there you go. Guess what happened? She loved it. You know Why? Because I go through life thinking, I wonder if Tammy would like that. And, and a lot of times I can get it right. Every once in a while she'll throw me a curveball and I'm like, oh, I've got to start working on that again. You know? But, but uh, you know, there's, something about, there's something about our proximity and there's something about paying close attention to her desires and what she wants. And all of a sudden it's reflected in my ability to perceive and operate and behave in a certain way that is in accordance with her will. I love her taste because it's a reflection of her. In a very real sense, her dwelling place is beautiful. And so, ladies and gentlemen, how much more infinitely beautiful is the dwelling place of our God? And so I close with this. Let us be a people who pine for 
and long for and faint for and leap for joy for our beautiful saving God. And let us keep our eye cut toward the thing, the place that makes fellowship with God even possible, which is the altar upon which the Lord Christ was laid, upon which His blood was spilled, upon which our freedom was bought, and upon which such a great work was done that the, that the blazing and thorny realm in which God's personal existence is has now become a resting place and a safety for those who belong to Him forever. Heavenly Father, Your dwelling place is indeed beautiful. We praise You and thank You for who You are and Your kind dealings with us. We thank You, Lord, that You have allowed us by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone and Him forever who has put away our sin and has cleansed us and drawn us to You. By that great work, Lord, and that wonderful Lord, we come to You and we find a safe haven, a rest for our souls even in the hardest times, even in swirling trouble. Father, I think of this room full of people and I... I just in panning it, I, I know of some swirling trouble. And as a people, we come before you comforted, knowing that you have rescued up sinners. You have made for yourself a people whom you will never neglect. We pray that it would be a comfort to our souls, and we pray that we would keep an eye cut toward your altar, which by the Christ's work is our rest and our home. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.